Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. I took a ride to Palm Desert to meet some of the designers responsible for changing the face of the Coachella Valley into what has grown from an aging desert community into a dynamic, vibrant canvas dappled with extraordinary design. I met these creatives at the Cambria Surfaces showroom on El Paseo in Palm Desert. Before we get into this, I want to thank you for listening to Convo by Design. It's been six years, and we're doing more than we have ever done before. This year alone, Convo by Design will have been at Modernism Week, KBiz, Pasadena Showcase House for the Arts, West Week, LCDQ Legends, and that's just by the time you hear this. We're going to be a ton more places, including Fall Market and, of course, the West Edge Design Fair coming up later this year. Make sure you catch every episode so you don't miss any of the most significant design and architecture events in Southern California. Subscribe to the show everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Designers, architects, and discerning homeowners know that if you're looking for world-class service and the absolute best in kitchen appliances, this is where you go. Why? Well, because Russ Diamond knows his appliances, and that's why he works with the best, like Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Have you seen Sub-Zero's built-in over and under glass door refrigerators? Stunning on the outside. Powerful and smart on the inside. This is the result of over 70 years of research with an air purification system inspired by NASA. Now pair that with a Wolf warming drawer, and we are talking about food preservation and freshness, as well as making sure that you don't have to reheat. The Wolf warming drawer keeps prepared foods hot and flavorful, regardless of when soccer practice ends or that conference call runs late. And right now, Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove are offering three extra years of protection on select models thanks to the Grand Kitchen event. These offers are only for a limited time, and conditions do apply, so take control and get all the details. To see the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove products, go to any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations, and you can also see the Living Kitchen in the Pasadena and Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showrooms. First up is designer Nicole Perrault. Uh, Nicole, how long have you been designing here in the Coachella Valley? So... My firm is actually based in Orange County. You're in Orange County. I am. So, yes. do, you, do you have clients up here, over here, out here? Um, I've designed in La Quinta before in Traditions Community, but as of right now, no. Okay. So everything that we have base is Orange County um, or LA County, like South Bay area. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And and you're up here for Modernism Week. I am. What'd yeah. you What'd you think? It's fun. It's good. It's super colorful. <laughs> It is super colorful. It's super, I mean, Orange County is very beige, Orange County beige, and now gray. So getting to see other designers and their talents and something that's colorful and interesting is always a good time. I wouldn't ever complain about that. I don't think anyone would, which is why everyone comes. Um, but yeah, it's just different. Super interesting because <laughs> I, I've had this conversation a, a number of times about Orange County, and I have design friends I've had guests from Orange County who designed down there I've had a couple today yeah. I know a lot of people in Orange County yeah it's really kind of Orange County is really interesting because I'm, I'm a native Angelino born and raised right okay. so if you were going down south you'd say yeah we're you know we're heading we're leaving LA and then we're going down south and then we're going to San Diego yes it's just sort of like this jump leap over, <laughs> over Orange County yes and 
when you talk about design, yeah. it's the same leap mm-hmm. traditionally yes. over Orange County because, and I've said this a million times, but it's like you have Irvine, which is the most amazingly master-planned, wide-roaded, just beautifully organized and incredibly beige <laughs> community. Yes. It's, it's, not, it's not vibrant in no. color and it's not for a designer do you do you are you just like oh geez or do you see that as an opportunity so we are actually kind of lucky with our clients um we don't have a specific style so it's really whatever the client wants that's very important to me so we we just did like a whole blush master bedroom because that's what she wanted and by blush i mean like everything is pink and then like milk beads for the chandelier so we have another client we just did gucci wallpaper with tigers and like the mouths it's like coming out in the bathroom and it's it's crazy it's not orange county it's not beige so i kind of feel lucky because we get to be a little bit more creative we're not scared we're a younger design firm so maybe people kind of think that that's what we can do versus your cookie cutter every day yeah no i think it's fun and if someone wants beige then they can have beige What's, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite project that you've ever done? I have a few that I love. Um, but it's not just about the project. It's really about the interaction with the client. So for me, again, I feel lucky because we have very open communication with our clients and they make it fun. So there's projects where I've worked on them and you know the client's a nightmare and it's like your favorite project to design and you're like get me out of this house and then you have projects where it's like maybe I didn't like designing this as much but the client is so much fun and you know they're just good people that you enjoy that project more so it just depends tell me about sourcing product yeah how do you because a, a lot of a lot of the time designers spend Every day is, is sourcing your product, looking at specs, trying to figure out how to work it in or how to work in what they need for this job. How do you, how do you re- with so many options right now, how do you generally go through the process of, of, of specking and, and So we have like standard showrooms that we use all the time. We're always at Stone Mill Design Center in Costa Mesa. Um, but relationships with vendors is huge. So anytime we get new jobs, I actually tell all of our vendors that we should schedule an appointment because I want to see their product. Um, always staying current, always staying updated, and keeping that relationship strong. The vendor relationship with the designer is huge because at the end of the day, if you need something, they're going to be the one helping you get it. Whether it's an emergency or not an emergency or you just you know want to have a good relationship, that's super, super important. And I came from showrooms, so I do know that. Did you? Which showroom? I worked at Kravit in the Laguna Design Center, okay. and then I also worked at Gatehouse when they were on 17th Street. That's where I actually started. How was the How was the training for for show for showroom? It was good. Um, when I was training to be merchandiser, visual merchandiser at Kravit, they actually sent me out to Scottsdale when they were opening the Scottsdale showroom. So I got to work with all of corporate that's in New York. Um, I learned a lot, you know things that you wouldn't really think of, certain ways they organize and how they do everything by pattern or code or whichever way it is. Um, so I felt really lucky that they sent me out there to like really immerse myself in the product. Do you think being a, a, a merchandiser helps, helped you develop as a designer? Yes. So 
I actually started in retail and then I went to wholesale. So to me, that was really important because I can see both sides of how the industry is working. And then after that, I worked for other design firms. So I wanted to hit every single little niche that I could so that I could understand when I go into a showroom now what their whole back system is so I'm not having unrealistic expectations. With your experience on the showroom side, so it's interesting too because nowadays design has, has been disrupted via online. Yes, sourcing. There's a, I mean, holy cow. There's, you can get lost down, down a rabbit hole. There's a lot of rabbit holes. Right? Yes. So what do you think of the showroom experience versus the, the online experience as it relates to the designer? Because I'm, I'm, what you're saying is, and it's really interesting, you're saying how important it is for that relationship, and I totally get it. It's mm -hmm. true. But online is a big part of what people do now, and there's no relationship there. No. No, there isn't. Um, we do both. I really do like to keep our sources design related versus, I mean, anyone can go buy online. So what's the point of having a designer if you can't have access to all of these different sources that you could if like, you just didn't have a designer. So having a designer allows you to have these trade resources and have things customized versus buying everything retail. That, I think, is a difference. We still get our trade discount and all of that at the retail home locations, but every person has that. Sally down the street has it. Who's Sally? I don't know, but she has oh, it. Oh, Sally. She's <laughs> such a troublemaker, that Sally from Irvine. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the whole point of hiring a designer is having something that's your own. It's custom. Do you, do you, have, do you have a dream project? I, I, and it's funny, too, because when talking to designers, I've realized a couple of things. You know, most don't want to say that they have a specific style. Correct. They might say that they have a favorite mm -hmm. um, because you want to be as versatile as possible. Correct. What I've also learned is that if you ask a designer about a dream project, chances are you've got one. So we are actually going to be designing a home in Corona Del Mar. We're meeting with them this week. Um, we're super excited about it, but she's very heavily influenced by Kelly Wurstler. I love Kelly Wurstler, so to me, it's very exciting. It's extravagant, it's bold, it's, it's fun, it's funky. Buy one of everything and find a place for I it. I know, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's artistic, you know, lots of sculptures, you know, lots of lines, lots of movement. So to me, I'm really excited about that. I personally gravitate towards, like for myself, more contemporary modern. Um, very clean lines, symmetry, neutral color palette with like pops of something bold here and there. But yeah, you're right, 100%. I mean, I never say that we just stick to one style because one, I don't want to. I think you should be challenged all the time. It keeps you growing, it keeps you strong. And two, it's fun to like, get something like thrown into the wrench and you're like, where did this come from? Like, okay, cool, like sure, sounds good. And it's fun, you know, it keeps everyone on their toes. It's so true. Are you crushing on anything right now? No. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. The one thing, the, it, it's, it's funny too, it's kind of a pedestrian question. It really is. It's very, it's very basic. It's just because it's like, okay, what are the trends? What's trending? What's trendy? What's, what's happening now? But I learn so much from, because see, I have a theory about trendy things. Yep. 
Just because something's trendy doesn't make it bad. No. Only if it stops there. Correct. That it was trendy and then it had and a then redo it. very short shelf life and then yeah. it went away. But of that, I mean, listen, in all fairness, Harvest Gold was around for a long time before people realized that we should probably not put this in our house right now. Yeah. Next to the avocado. So we are really big on being timelessly modern is what we like to call it. And that's because I don't want a call from a client in a year being like, why did you put this in my house if you knew it was going to go out of style in like a week? So we don't like to do that. But at the same time, so that's timeless. And then being modern where it's it's still updated, like they're going to be happy with it. But again, it's not going to just like go out of style and you just spent all this money and they're angry. It's so true. And it, it's interesting too because I've always had kind of a pet peeve with the Pantone color of the year. I just had this conversation Did the you? other day. Yeah. I think someone, someone asked me if that was the color of the year and I, I looked and I was like, to be honest, I don't really care. Well, first it was just the Pantone color of the yeah. year. Now there's like five. Yeah. There's five different groups that have their colors of the year. And guess what? They're not all the same. No. So wait a minute. Why is yours the color of the year? Yes. Why and you know, last year, I think last year was eggplant. And I like, think so. And guess what? Eggplant in and of itself is not a bad thing. No. If you like eggplant, great. then you should put it in your house. Yeah. You, sh- you absolutely should if that's what you like. But to say that that should that's the statement color of, of the year, it's like, mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. And it shouldn't be forced into like anything just because it's the color of the year because, like we just said, next year there's a new color. And you know there's going to be a and new color. And you know color. there's going to be a new color. <laughs> so why are you confused that all of a sudden the color changed? Yeah. Everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about the design industry, the, the, the way that design is viewed, sold, bought, transacted, what would it be? Transparency. How so? I feel like you really have to gain your client's trust um, because there is so much back and forth about what's right, how people are billing, whether you make a markup, whether you don't. Um, whether you can take them shopping at the design center, if you can get pricing right then and there, like anything like that. I think it's a lot of circles and, you know, everyone's so tight on time and time's valuable that if everyone could just be a little bit more transparent, I think one, you'd have more clients because you don't have to worry about the trust factor. And two, you'd probably get your jobs done a little bit quicker and three, your clients might be a little bit happier. Those are, it's interesting. I totally agree. At the same time, the pricing is really interesting. The pricing mm-hmm. models, and there's m- multiple, yeah. are so firmly steeped in the nature of the business. Correct. You know what I mean? Yes. And, you know, I, I, transparency would be great, but when you've got three different models and designers all use different formulas for coming up with that, But I think that's the thing, too, is I think so many designers are so hesitant to talk about how they charge and the way they do it or what their contracts look like or, you know, how you get from point A to B to C and what the organization is or what back system you're using or anything like that. And I think if other designers maybe helped their fellow designer or whoever it was, then it would make it a lot easier for the industry and there wouldn't be all these questions and secrets and like 
is this okay? Is this not okay? I mean, we're all in this to have fun and like do what we love. So I think teamwork is a really good option, but it depends how people want to run their business. It's our company. It's true. Yeah. What's interesting too is sort of the, you talk about transparency and sort of the online aspect of the yeah. business now. And I had a conversation about this earlier. I've, I've, it's coming up more often than not are the websites to get design services. Yes. As, as a designer. Yeah. What is your thought on that? Because you have options. You could be a participant. Mm -hmm. You could choose not to participate and be, be just for fundamentally. Or you could be whatever. So like the design services that like say anthropology or something like that offers. Is that what you're asking? Well, so that's one aspect to it. Okay. Another would be one of one of the the various services where you know you're a designer. Maybe you're a named designer or an unnamed designer. Yeah. And the end user, the homeowner, is is spending forty nine ninety nine or yeah. two forty nine ninety nine for yeah. a room, and they submit images, and you're putting a plan together. Yeah. It's interesting because if you if we would have had this conversation ten years ago, you'd be like, well, that's I'm, that's not design. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a questionnaire yeah. and some pictures, mm -hmm. and you decorate to the pictures. But it's you know it's it's part of an option now. It is now part of an option, especially with Pinterest and like mood boards and you know creating boards on Pinterest and all of that. I mean, I think definitely inspiration helps when as far as communication goes. So you're not wasting time on design hours. If a client knows what they like. They might as well show you, and then you can put it together. Um, but I think copying a design or not having a twist on it, then, like, why did they hire you? They could have done it themselves. Um, so true. That, yeah, so don't defeat the purpose of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love this. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> that was Nicole Peralt. This is Michael Rush. And I love that we start off with design houses because that is where we met. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was thinking about you uh, the other day. Do me a favor, take two steps back. Okay. So I was thinking about you the other day when walking through the um, Pasadena, the new Pasadena. I thought that last year, with all of its challenges and with all of the, it was a big it was a big project. There were a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Your room was spectacular. And I also love how much tech went into that. Yeah. And, you know, when most designers are trying to hide things, yeah. you made a point of showing it, right? showing it off and incorporating it into the design, which I thought was great. Yeah. Where did the inspiration for that come from? And are you able to use what you did in a design house like that and reapply it in the future? Yeah, because um, with all of my clients, technology changes so quickly, and you need to have the latest technology, and everything is internet, Wi-Fi based, and all that has to be up to date in, in a house to start any project. So um, I teamed up with Woody's Home for that project, and they, they are, it was a nice trusting relationship because I was able to stop here and let them take over for that. So that was that was good. It was a good working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been working in the Valley? I moved out here full time five years ago, but I had worked on projects since the late 80s out here. And then I decided, well, it's time to be out here full time. So what is what is the what is the design scene? I know about the architecture scene. Yeah. What's the design scene like out here? I don't 
I don't see, a, I don't have a lot of design professional friends here. They're still all in Los Angeles. So I have a better pulse on LA and Pasadena than I do Palm Springs, so. Interesting. So, yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Well, okay, I got here to the desert by clients from Los Angeles who brought me out here to work on their second home. And I'm finding that the big projects that I see here are the same people that, who are bringing their designer with them. So there's not people hunting for designers, there's hunting for builders and sources and suppliers, but um, they bring the talent with them, so. Do you miss LA at all? I do, parts of it. Do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, a workmanship and things, you can get things done in LA that you can't hear. So I still go back, I go back every, every other week, so. Oh gosh, that's a trek. I know, but it's, it's the joy of living here. You just can't get everything under one roof, and, and everyone will promise everything here, and then you find their limitations, and, and they're, they're different. Well, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's, some people have a, have a hard time realizing that, you know, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, Rancho Mirage, it, this is not a big city. No, no, it it's, gets smaller and smaller, actually, yeah. And the, the three cities that I just mentioned, those individually are not big cities. No. So, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not a big community, but I will tell you that per capita, this is a very design-forward, architecture-forward It is, community. and they have interest that, I mean, perfect example, Modernism Week. Yeah. Look how that started in 2005, I think, was the first year, and there was some people, but now it's grown to a huge, huge, wonderful event, so, yeah. Speaking of Modernism Week, yes. do you, being a local now, do, yes. you, do you do you utilize that event? I do. Uh, I was just on the bus tour yesterday, which is instead of just being an hour tour, like it was many years ago, three and a half hours. They've added new areas, new interests. Um, there's always more to discover. So, three and a half hours on a bus is a long time. It's it was pushing it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but but it it the new stuff was at the end, so that piqued my interest so um, and as modernism is now incorporate is up to 1969 and maybe even 1970 there's a lot of um, exploration of Hugh Captor's work who's still alive and to see his work I don't know if it's modernist but it's certainly the blend from from the 60s to the 70s so what do you what are you working on now uh, projects in Palos Verdes, projects in Northern California, um, who had their vacation home here, who I met, and uh, so working on their, finished their vacation house here, and, and working on their main home in Northern, in uh, Danville. That's great. Okay, so now, logistically, yeah. how do you make that work? Uh, it's tricky. Lots PV. of trips to Danville. Well, Danville, so. PV, yeah. and you, you're kind of in the, you're not in the center, you're no, off I'm to in the Palm side. Springs. Well, the clients vacation a lot in Palm Springs, so we have our meetings then, and it's easy from the, uh, from the airport here or Long Beach to fly to Oakland, and that's Oh, what do. so you do make it easy. It's easy, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, what, are you, what are you crushing on now? And, and I, let me preface the question. So it's really interesting because when, when you're, you don't have to be in any particular area anymore 
to have access to new resources or other things. So because everything is is online and it's it's promoted hev- yeah. more heavily than than ever before, yeah. you get to see things. You can you can find anything you want. No, and you can communicate with the client much quicker and and visually because you can text and photograph and send images. Uh, but it's a lot more time spent on digital technology. A it's lot of true. It. Yeah. So that being said, you get to see a lot more. What are you crushing on right now? What are you seeing that, that's coming out that not necessarily trendy or trending, but things that, that are coming out that's like, wow, that's really cool? Well, a lot of the suppliers are bringing more 60s inspired furnishings and things, which is beautiful because so much of the 60s stuff was low and linear and sort of Japanese influenced. It was never, it was beautiful, but never comfortable. The new stuff is comfortable. It's it's been upscaled a bit, but still has the look. So that's that's great. That is great. Yeah. Um, do you also do you also find yourself liking the color palette? I th- do. Th- yeah. That well, that era provides. I grew up with uh, mid-century modern furniture, so I can appreciate it. Um, and for a lot of people who are younger than myself, uh, it's new. But I've seen it before, and. Uh, good quality things always last and and transcend the tens of time so it's so funny too to you know how you separate from kitsch versus quality versus popular versus trendy because as we're talking i'm thinking about i'm remembering back to my my grandparents Mm. living room when I was a kid, and the the sky blue vinyl sofa yes. with the plastic on it, uh-huh. because God forbid you should get anything on the vinyl, <laughs> and a square pillow with a button in the center, and thin pillows that you couldn't really rest. You needed several. Yeah, yeah. no, and all that to come back. It's come full circle. So. It's funny. It is funny. Yeah. So during Modernism Week, what do you try to take advantage of besides the bus tours? Which sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the suppliers introduce their new products. Uh, uh, Basecamp, have you seen the display that Jen Air did? They've introduced all their new things. Beautiful, beautiful. And a lot of people are jumping on the Modernism bandwagon. So even related fields are showing their new products and things. So that, that's good. Yeah. It is good. Broader scale, yeah. Um, where where do you see the design that that you see out here in, yes. the, in the Coachella Valley? Yes, and it, it it is it is pervasive. Yes, you know the the style because that mid century has yeah. has just struck a nerve. Yes, it, um, it, and it, it keeps striking nerves. Right, but now you discover more and more, and now that there's a really, I mean, this is a world class event. Yeah, and it seems to be spreading the word. Aside from that style, do you like that style? And in comparison to that, what other styles do you find yourself gravitating towards? You know, I do find that I like a broad range of things, and I've, I was trained in very traditional styles, so I'll always have a love for traditional. But uh, modernist furnishings and things are beautiful. Um, I went to a store recently in, in Detroit where I grew up, well, in the, in the outlying villages of Ferndale, Mid-century shops in Ferndale, and and there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff available. So some of the bad stuff, but you just have to. And if I see another chromed arc lamp on a col- <laughs> on a column base, it's like we were so happy to get rid of those. So, but they're back. So they, they are back. Yeah. What, do you ever see yourself working on a on another design house? I do. Um, actually, I. Uh, I'm working on the 2020 showcase for Pasadena in securing them a nice traditional home. Really? Yeah. yeah. We're working together with the committee. So That's exciting. Yeah. And it's a, 
uh, it's a, a uh, I forgot his name. Well, Kaufman is his last name. Uh, it's a Kaufman architect from 1925, very traditional home, first time it will have been used for showcase. And it's in San Marino on, on the way to the museum. To, um, so the committee was excited. They did the background with the city that they needed to. So it's so far, everything's looking good. So we'll see. That's, that's great. Do you, do you, what do you take away from each design house? Do you have takeaways? Do you have things that you learn well, from each? Well, you, you do it, obviously, to get more business and to meet other people in the trades and uh, develop a broader appeal and aesthetic. Um, so we met through Showcase. So yeah. See, and here I am interviewing. You're interviewing me, what, yeah. six, eight months later? No, so. it's true. Oh, a year later. Yeah, yeah. It's true. So so it, it, it pays back in different ways that you can't measure right at the moment. Everyone says, I didn't get a job from that. Well, it pays in other ways. So, Have you, have you ever quantifiably gotten business from a design house? Oh, yeah. You have? Yeah. It, it helps if you're local, doing a local showcase. It's just easier. People see your name once or twice, then they see it more and more. So it, it clicks in. In Palos Verdes, where I practiced for... 30 some years um, we had showcase houses that they were wonderful so and they I built my business from it so do you think it's also in the manner in which you you work it it has to be worked you have to be a participant a lot of people think well I've done my magic let there there it is you have to show people and you have to be proud of it and work with it so and yeah. you have to talk them through it yeah, you have yeah. to be a showman you do I met my best client through a showcase house. I was there on closing. Closing day, everyone hates closing day because the nuts come through. They really do. And the people who steal things come on the last no, day. No, wait a minute. They do. What? Yes, people lift things that aren't tacked down or secured down. Um, so you, you're always there on the last day just to watch that those things happen. And uh, a woman came through and she says, well, we're building a house. And I said, well, how many times have I heard that before? She said, no, I'll, I'll give you a call. And she did. And we worked together for 28 years now. So wow, that was a good design house. That's so. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. That is so and cool. Sometimes you work with clients uh, after they've divorced. And husband goes one way, the wife goes another way. And, and sometimes I've been able to work with both husband and wife. But um, when there's a new wife involved, she wants her team involved in that. So I've learned that, too. And not to take it personally, I'm just not part of, I'm the old regime, and we're going to clean all that out. We're getting new team in here. So, so. this is something that I've never learned before. Yeah. But the wife gets the designer in the divorce. Yeah, actually it does. It, it sort of works. Oh, I've... I've <laughs> <laughs> balanced <laughs> I've balanced well most of our decisions it, in this particular client the husband was a developer so I worked very closely with him but usually we're working with the wife is the tastemaker of the home and that's who we're working with so the, you, we go with the wife usually yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and then I went on with the husband for a project in Santa Barbara and the new wife would have none of that none so it was, it was too bad because it was a nice project and I got along with him so well yeah. and he's very mistrusting even though he was an attorney we got along well and, and we just couldn't make it gel with the new one. Oh so. gosh yeah. yeah listen this was so great yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that we got a chance to catch up and I'm thrilled to know that in 2020 yes I will most likely be seeing you in Pasadena I don't know my I don't know my participation value but I'm back behind the scenes so they're a great group to work with and yeah they, they work are. so hard um, that any anything that can help them do a better job I'm there for them yeah. outstanding Absolutely. yeah
Thanks, Michael. Thank you. From Michael Rush to writer and archivist Adele Siegel. So I was excited about this conversation because I love Modernism Week in Palm Springs. I just do, Mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. The book, how long, we talked a little bit, how long did it take you to put this book together? Uh, It took me two years, start to finish, you know, going through the archive, doing all the research, trying to find some houses that we could photograph, and it ended up being very little. So I had to rely on archival images for the majority of the project. How robust was the archive? Uh, the, it's funny, I was the first person to go through it, and the people there at the Architecture and Design Center were like, they weren't sure that there was much in it, because they hadn't really gone through the archive its, you know, in its entirety. And it turned out that there was a ton of stuff in there, images, information, just a lot, more than anyone uh, knew. What a happy surprise. What a happy surprise. And no kidding. Right? Thank you. Yeah, otherwise yeah. I don't think there would have been a book. So how does it work with images, trademark, usage, or copyright rather, usage, how does, with, with, an, with archival photos, how does that, how, do, you have to get, do you have to get approvals? Do you have to get licenses? How does that work? Uh, yes, there are two stages. So first you have to scan them because most of this was obviously shot in film. There was no, you know, there was no digital back then. You know, we're talking mostly 1954 to 74. You're hoping that the film hasn't deteriorated in color and we ran into that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yes, you have to uh, contact the people who own the licensing if there is someone who owns a copyright. And if not, then you're pretty much free to, you know, just use it. So I was lucky. I stumbled on some photography that one photographer who had worked for Architectural Digest, his widow, had the originals. And I stumbled on another archive at UCLA. I mean, it requires a lot of digging. you got to dig. Yeah, you really do. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about Arthur Elrod. Arthur Elrod was the most successful interior designer in Palm Springs. So he came out here first in the late 1940s. He worked at the new Bullock's Palm Springs department store. He was there for about six years. Doing, doing what? A junior decorator. Up in the f- second floor, there was the village's first elevator, and it took you up to the home furnishings department. And that was the only place in town where you could buy the bedding and the accessories and the linens, everything you needed to furnish a house. That was it. So he met everyone. He met all of his future clients there. And he, and he was, it was a one-horse town. He was the only one. He was. Well, there were others, but no one was doing it like him. Well, and nobody had an inside track like him. Right. That's and then he went to San Francisco for a couple of years, met his future business partner, and three of them came down in 1954 to open Arthur Elrod Limited. Why did they come back? Why did he come back? I don't know. I mean, I think that there's something about being a big fish in a small pond. Plus, you know, Palm Springs was so sophisticated. Everyone who was here on vacationing, they were coming from San Francisco or Chicago. You know, it was not a podunk vacation town. It was a really a very sophisticated resort. And I think his style sort of meshed with that. Two parts of the same question. What do you like? What do you like about his style and what do you dislike? Um, I'd like, someone called it warm hospitality and cool sophistication. I love that, you know, after a few years, it was mostly custom. Every single thing, every detail. 
they had custom made mostly by sources in Los Angeles who are interestingly still in business. Really? Yes. Um, and uh, what I, I don't like, I don't know, you know, I just sort of ignored some of the early stuff where he was using the, his clients' antiques. It was that sort of called French provincial. It was like a lot of, yeah, exactly, a lot of, you know, heavy oak furniture and plaid upholstery and drapes that matched the couch. That was not my favorite, so I just sort of ignored it and concentrated on the stuff that I liked. And there was plenty of that. And it's funny, too, because I'm sitting here making the face, you know, with the... It's interesting because I kind of, I kind of put that era at the start of when, when the highly collect, the collected... You can't say eclectic anymore, but the collected look... You know, that's kind of, to me, that's kind of when it started was, you know, people experimenting. It's like, well, if this is sophisticated and that's sophisticated, shouldn't matter that there are two completely different eras or styles. Right. They should still have that same era of sophistication. They should work together. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah. Sometimes it, sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. What I found interesting was that his sensibility matched what the architects were doing. Uh, you know, the whole, all the, the top architects in Palm Springs, you know, Stuart Williams and Bill Cody and Don Wexler, his style matched theirs. And his curiosity about innovative materials and techniques matched their curiosity. So it was like a perfect combination between the two of them. And again, no one else in the desert was doing what he could do. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Do you that it's it's fascinating to me too in Palm Springs that that Hollywood regency, that royalty that was that was in in Palm Springs at the time with the things that as a designer you you want you want hands-off homeowners with deep pockets and a willingness to let you pretty much try anything because the very nature of what they do is, is, crea is a creative endeavor as well. And he was incredibly charismatic, very charming. He could wrap his clients around his little finger, and he did. They gave him carte blanche. They commissioned multiple projects for him, starting here, and then their main house, and then you know houses for the kids and the grandkids. And one client had seven projects designed by him. That's amazing. Could you tell what changed in his style when he left for San Francisco from when, and when he came back? There was a, a, an exhibit at the San Francisco Museum of Art that he was put in charge with. General Electric wanted to do it for, uh, to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the light bulb. And W&J Sloan, which was the big furniture emporium where he was working, was selected to provide the furnishings. And he was the lead designer, and it was an incredible lesson for him in working with a very sophisticated lighting system. Recessed lights, down lights, valance lights, spotlights that stayed with him, with him his entire career. Interesting. So, and do you think that that was, do you think, you know, you saw the archives, was that incorporated into, so, so his, his experimentation with lighting, that had a lot to do with, with his, his design, because obviously... If you're working with all those different methods of lighting, mm -hmm. that affects everything else in the room, where you can put things. Exactly. You're no longer limited by, by what you can put where 
because of the lighting. Exactly. So what he would do was meticulously match the lighting with the furniture and the art. And by the late 60s, his clients had unbelievable art collections. You know, we're talking Picassos, Roscoe, uh, you know, sculptures. And uh, so he knew exactly how to treat these and do it well. Modern day, it's, it's funny to talk about modern day, mid-century, modern architecture, but when you have a, a style like mid-century, modern, which has seen a resurgence and a, and a rebirth of cool, mm -hmm. and it's coming back, not just the ones that are being refurbished still, but now new ones that are inspired by that, that very same uh, era, mm -hmm. do, you see, do you see Arthur Elrod in in the in the pantheon of not just the the former greats but actually those who are inspiring what's being done right now i think yes absolutely i think that i found out at the end that he wasn't just the most successful interior designer in palm springs i think he was on a level with anyone of his uh, age during that era billy haynes billy baldwin david hicks you name it and he could like go toe to toe with them um Go ahead. There was something else I was going to say. I just lost it. I was going to ask what you what you feel like or what you learned that the vibe was like. Because, like for example, I can give you the the, the princes of King's Road, right? You can you could tell when you know when Neutra was holding court and they you had everyone getting together in, in almost these these Playboy Mansion like types of parties where you'd have architects and authors and musicians and actors all in the same place intermingling creatively. The vibe at the time had to be one that just bred creativity. I agree. I just don't think that he was sort of that social. I would say most of his clients were captains of industry, you know, very wealthy multi-millionaires, and this was back in the 60s and 70s. So probably a different vibe, a little more sophisticated, a little more um, comfortable, like sort of luxuriously comfortable. You know, none of these people were buying Eames chairs. None of these people were buying sarin and coffee tables, which, you know, are fabulous. But those were massive, those were marketed much more to a mass middle class audience, and that's not what he did. That's fantastic. So the book is out now. The book came out last week, and it's already gone into a second printing. Congratulations. Thank you. Where, where, where do you want people to pick up the book? Um, you can pick it up at any design store and bookstore. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, do you want me to name names? Like, sure. Do you want me to? Okay, it's at uh, the Architecture and Design Center and the Palm Springs Art Museum. It's at Just Fabulous. For those that are in the Valley. For those who are here, Grace Home Furnishings in Palm Springs. Um, and... Uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, other places. And if you're not here, it's on Amazon? Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Right. Yes. So get it at Amazon. Yay. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Adele knows about modern clean lines. It was fun to hear some of the stories. It really does make you want to craft spaces with clean lines and simplicity. I wanted to share a resource uh, to help you do just that. It's Article. Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a design trade professional, you are going to love the style and quality of Article Furniture. That's a fact. Here's the best part. Article has created a trade program specifically for you. Busy designers, check this out. Joining the trade program is absolutely free, and there is no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts. None. Zero. You've, you've, 
you've heard about how modernist design is changing Palm Springs. Your clients will love this, and now you have some help. What's more, they have exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found elsewhere for less. They offer standard one-year warranty on all article furniture and the shipping. You're just going to love the shipping. Flat rate in most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items ship in two weeks or less, and they handle special invoicing, tax-exempt purchasing, and the customer service. I love this. The customer service is staffed by design professionals like you, who think like you, who know how you're thinking. These are real people who know what you're trying to accomplish, and they have the authority to help you get what you need. For all the details and to sign up for Article's trade program, please go to cxd.article.com. CXD is in Convo by Design. cxd.article.com. Thank you, Article. Um, this is designer Fernando Diaz. I'm sorry. The last time we spoke was at, uh, uh, at a Interiors Magazine party. Faces of Design. Correct. Yes, that's right. Yes. It's been too long. It's been a while. So I love, one of the reasons I love coming up to Palm Springs, over, out to Palm Springs for Modernism Week, is because it gives me a chance to catch up with old friends. And I love that I got an opportunity to catch up with you. I, I have been a fan of your work for some time. You and I first met um, in the library at Waddle's Mansion. That's right. I did the, I did the library. That was the second year I did Waddle's Mansion. What, do you, you, I did the living room the first year. Oh, you did? Yes. What did you think about, what do you, what's your take on design houses? What do you think about them? Well, you know, I do it because I'm the client and I'm the designer. Uh, does it get me business? Not really. I've, I've never really gotten a, a job from doing a, a showcase You house. don't think so? No, I don't. not for me anyway. It doesn't work for me. But I still do them because I enjoy working uh, with other designers and sharing and um, coming up with new ideas, new inspirations kind of thing. It, yeah, I was over at the um, Christopher Kennedy compound a little while ago, and I was reminded that, you know, a well-run, well-organized design house really is a team effort. And oh, it, absolutely. And it gives you an opportunity as a designer. It gives you, it, there's that camaraderie and that bonding that you get with other designers. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I just, I told uh, Christopher, which I went to see the house the uh, day before yesterday, and him and I are friends, and I just said, you pulled off a fabulous house. I mean, it's the, I think it's the best house that I've seen of all of them once he's done. Is that right? All yeah. five, that's the best one? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, you know, my favorite room was Michael Berman's. He's my good friend. So, <laughs> and, and of course, the kitchen was amazing. The kitchen was the kitchen was absolutely amazing, but I, I am with you, on Michael's, uh, room. What what Michael did, was in in the master was simply spectacular. There's a wall. Oh God. With the portal in it, and it's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And 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 just the 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 wall does the artwork itself. I mean, it, it's just amazing, and that porthole is part, of that artwork yeah and you can in the porthole allows you to see into the master bath yeah and, and it was spectacular yes absolutely and, and i think it's cool too that you're rooting for your friend well you know what um why not you know i hope, they root, I, I hope they root for me exactly <laughs> <at> times <laughs> exactly well i think that's interesting too though uh, the idea of doing design houses because you know in talking to um 
designers about design houses and, and the why do you do them. Mm -hmm. It's for the exposure and it's it's for, you know, to try to get business out of them. And I'm, I'm curious why you think in the design houses you've done that it hasn't turned into new business. You know, I think part of it is, uh, Josh, is that is repetition, doing it year after year after year after year and gets your name there. I, I, I did uh, Greystone uh, probably five years in a row and the issue with both Greystone and Waddles is that because they are historic uh, homes you can't really do what you can do you know so you have to work within the parameters of what they're allow you allow you to do yeah you're hamstrung yeah certainly you yeah. can't go into the walls you can't change Correct. the electrical you can't yeah exactly so when people say why don't you do Pasadena okay well part of it is it's a lot of work and I you I have made a decision at my age now but I'm not gonna spend that kind of money <laughs> doing a showcase house but if somebody would sponsor it for me I would do it what does that mean to you what do you mean it's to sponsor it. okay well let's say that if I if I were to do Christopher Kennedy's compound next year okay I would go to Mitchell Gold and say will you please sponsor me and everything that costs me to do something they will pick up the tab so it will become a Mitchell Gold Bob Williams room okay, whether it's their furniture their bedding artwork so uh, it, it, it's, it's a whole package. What is what is the cost to you? Aside from not mentioning, you know, not talking about the the product that's memoed for this, but or, or donated from from partners. Right. Aside from that, where are the costs for someone who's never done this before? Where are the costs? Well, I mean, there are so many ways that showcase houses are run. There's some that are, have a registration fee. Okay, that could be a thousand dollars, could be two thousand uh, dollars. Excuse me. And uh, others are, you know, it's, it's hard to say. It really is because every every producer does it does it differently. So if you have if you have to have a contractor come in and build something out to, for you, you have to pay for that. Yeah. I mean, as much as uh, you don't want to, the the. The labor is always what the big cost is mm -hmm. in a showcase house. You can get the tile donated, you can get the fabric donated, but when it comes to labor, that's on you or on me. Right. And, and, and that's, listen, when you're going out of pocket to do something that you're doing for free, mm -hmm. it's, it, can be, it can be a burden sometimes. Oh, it can. It can. It could, it could run upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So. Do you have a favorite one that you've done? Well, I think my favorite was uh, Greystone where I, when I did the formal dining room. Yeah. Uh, which um, Kravit paid for everything. In all the furniture, all the fabrics. It was, uh, I did it, it was called uh, the Titans of Business. So I chose Kerry Kravit as my Titan of Business. So I said, well, I'm honoring you. You have to honor me. Give me all the stuff that I need. That's genius. <laughs> that is absolutely genius. Um, so we're we're in Palm Desert today. I, I'm I'm up here recording for Modernism Week. You've been coming to the desert for a while. You love the desert. I love the desert. 
Yes. My, my first home, by the way, was in 1988. Is that right? Yes. And I stopped, and then I sold it. I stopped coming for about 10 years. Then I'm back again. Uh, bought a place in Palm Springs. Uh, lived there for six years, trying to sell that one, but just bought a new house in Rancho Mirage, which I've just finished redoing. So, you know, it's... So tell me about, uh, tell me about the new house. How, and and in, insofar as, how does a designer like you design for a designer like you? Well, that's the hardest part, you know. Um, it, 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 the house was built in 1980. Um, it was just completely remodeled. I had Cambria product, uh, and I have Cambria product in the kitchen. I have all kitchen and appliances. I all the floors are, uh, you know, um, travertine. But there were a little, a few little things that I had to do. I just couldn't bring myself to tear brand new bathrooms. So eventually they will be redone because they're not my taste. But it's going to be okay for now. So, uh, and then of course, you know, I have to deal with my partner, <laughs> who also has an opinion on how things. Uh, yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. So it, it's really interesting because as a designer, part of what you do is the, the psychology of it. You know, you, you talk to the homeowners, you talk to, you talk to him or her or him and him or her and her, and you decide who likes what and where, yes. and, and then you work for them. But when you're one of them, mm -hmm. how do you, how do, it, you do it, that? Well, you know, it, it's, it's not easy, to be, to be honest with you, it's not easy at all, because sometimes you want to say, okay, this is the way it is. You can't, because obviously, you know. In my case, he's going to live there too, so I, <laughs> I have to take that into consideration. You do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, were there any major disagreements in style? No. No. And, I, and, and the reason being is that we bought this house. We haven't sold the other one yet, so we used the same furniture for the most part from the old house. So is it perfect? No, it's not. But is it going to be perfect? Probably never, but at least closer to what it is now. <laughs> that's, that's great though. The desert, Palm Springs and surrounding, it's, the Coachella Valley has changed so Drastically, much. yeah. It, it really has. What do you see, what do you see here now as it relates to the design and architecture community, for, for what it means to, to design and architecture and how people are coming out here to grow their design business. Yes. Uh, I haven't start, I have a client here now, by the way, uh, which I'm just finished up their, their home uh, in Indian Canyon. And uh, it's, I am hiring a PR person to help me grow my business here and where I should be going, who should be going after, and, and what country clubs are the best ones to, to work with, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's just like we're in LA when you work on the Wilshire Corridor. Mm -hmm. Every building, it has their own rules and regulations, and they're, they're like night and day, night and day. So out here, what I've seen is that we do have a, an influx of designers trying to uh, work here in the desert too because there is so much building going on it's 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 amazing yes and um, 
lost my train of thought, but anyways, um, it, it's, people are coming here, and, and what I find that in, in Los Angeles, I don't find there's a compet too much competition between the designers. I think here it's a little different. I, do, I, do, I, I, I tend to look at that a Interesting. Bit. What do you make of that? Well, it's a smaller community. I think that's that's it. I mean, and 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 everybody is vying for the same people. But in LA, it's so big that you know that LA is so big that um, uh, there's enough work for everybody. Do you also think? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Do you also think that because the celebrity clientele in LA is is such a thing? for the design trade. And you have designers who have large celebrity clientele that they kind of work that end of it. And then you've got who, some who work primarily with the Asian community or the Russian community. And there's so many different segments by neighborhood and by region that the designers kind of stay in their own territories for the most part. But here, there is no delineation. I, I, yes, that's absolutely true. I mean, I've had cli I have Russian clients in Beverly Park, uh, amazing, amazing clients, excellent taste, excellent taste. Uh, I have had celebrity clients, most of them behind the camera rather than in front of the camera. So I've, had, I've done producers, directors, uh, I've, I've done one movie star, but you know, it's, it's, I'd rather deal with the people behind the camera, to be honest with you, it's so much easier. <laughs> it's so true. Well, it can be true. Yeah. It can be true. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, your celebrity clients are just clients. Exactly. Exactly. With bigger budgets, for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> um, when it comes to architectural style, so we're here for Modernism Week, do you, do you like the modern aesthetic? Do you, get, do you go to the events? Is modernism a, a, a thing for you? Oh, it has been, and, and it is. I mean, uh, for, the, for the first four years that I started coming back, I did a huge party at my home, 120, 250 people, uh, and it, 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 that's where everybody went. I mean, it was part of coming to Modernism Week. Uh, I, haven't, I didn't do it last year, and I didn't do it this year, but, and, I, and I miss it. Uh, because there was such a, uh, uh, a difference in people, I mean, different people from all over the world, uh, that it's, it was just fun, and people got to see each other that hadn't been seeing each other for a year or two or whatever. So, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun place. And do I like mid-century modern? Yes, I do like the mid-century modern look. And I think what's interesting, too, about that mid-century feel and the modernist aesthetic here in in the valley is when you have so much of it concentrated in one area you can you can really go deep into the style and i think when when you have more of it people work a little bit harder to differentiate theirs from someone else's oh absolutely absolutely yes i i, I and, and 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 the fun part about doing mid-century modern is that you can bring a little bit of other styles with it. I just went to a lecture a couple of days ago on Arthur Elrod, which was the designer of everybody that was anybody here in the desert. And he started very 
simple, and then all the sudden started using beautiful colors, the avocado green and, and yellows, and, 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 and oh my God, my God, he, he was, he's amazing, he was amazing. Uh, but um, he loved to mix the 50s look with Asian look, so Asian pieces. So it, it, he, he made it work. Yeah, it's, it's, I love that you say that, um, how everything mixes old and new and you blend it together. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Patrick Dragonette, every time we're talking and I say the word eclectic, he stops me. No, 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 it's collected. <laughs> yes, it's true. Not a, it's not eclectic, it's collected. Collected, yes. And he's, and he's right, and I, that's one of the things that is so cool about the architecture and design style here in the desert is everything is accepted. Oh, absolutely. I think so. It's encouraged. Yeah, it's encouraged. I agree. I, I agree it's encouraged. I mean, Patrick's place at uh, Marrakesh, it's a great community. It, was, uh, um, it has that Moroccan feel to it. It's, I, I love that area. Yeah, and what I, what I like best about this whole community is that it's not like nothing wrong with Santa Barbara. I love Santa Barbara, Pasadena. I mm -hmm. love Pasadena, but they are very specific. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely Pasadena. Yeah, and in that look and in that style, it's very, very specific, and, and it's, it's encouraged to keep to that general look. Here, it's like, you know what? To differentiate to your heart's content, it just better look good. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. We yeah. want to make sure that everything looks good at the end. And that's why certain things kind of come out of it, like, like the painted doors. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, but yeah. it's so amazing. When you get a whole neighborhood to decide that you're going to have a competition for whose door looks best. That's, I think that's awesome. It is awesome. That's awesome. Um, so last question for you. What's, what's next? What are you working on right now? What am I working on right now? What would you like to be working on right now? Well, my thinking is that I would like to, I'm thinking of retiring, to be honest with you, but I'm never going to retire. I know. That's why it's so, so surprising you even say that. It's like, why are you well, even saying you know you're not going to do it? I know that. <laughs> but I would love to just do maybe one job a year. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And it, it could be, obviously, it has to be a job that is going to make, make some money because I love to travel. So, so it's not a design house? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. <laughs> Where do you like to go? Where's your favorite place to go? Oh, God, I have so many places. Great. Well, you know, my family's from Spain. I was born in Cuba, but my family's all in Spain. So I get to go there, you know, every so often. Uh, we go to, to Italy all the time. Do you do, you do the... Do you do the international designs, design shows? Yes, I have. Yeah, I do Maison and Objet Deco off in January. Oh, you do, you do that? Yes. That's the one you go to? Yes. What, why, do you, why do you choose that one? Well, part of it is because um, a dear friend, Rocky Lafleur, uh, organizes a, a, a trip to Paris. And they show off all of their new... He works for Needler Fauchere. And we go to the fabric houses and see all the new fabrics that are going to be coming out. And so we get to preview them before everybody else does. So it makes it fun. It does. And I, by the way, you just nailed why I love this business so much. Um, Rocky is actually the episode that's being published this week. 
is my conversation with Rocky. And and like you, I'm a huge fan of Rocky's. I Absolutely. Think, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, we just honored him with a Lifetime Achievement Award Yeah. Uh, in September. Yes. So. 750 of his closest friends. Absolutely, yes. I, I was dying because I was co-chairing the event and I said, oh my God, 750 people. Have you ever seen that many people in that space in the last decade? No. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. It was yeah. great. And I think we need to do more of that because that there was so much great energy that evening with so many designers from actually all over the world to be honest with you yeah that it was just 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 awesome and that's the one thing that i i would like to see start to happen more and more is a lot of the younger upcoming designers mm -hmm. engaging in meaningful ways with the designers who have been doing it at this high level for 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 so long because i think that it could raise it could raise the the level of appreciation for everybody i think oh. it can make it a more enjoyable experience for oh, everybody oh i think so i think so i mean I, I i love to be able to mentor uh students and i have done that in the past and i'll continue to do so because you know what we have so much knowledge about what was, what is, and maybe what it will be, which will be what was, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that take, and take out the TV shows that are about design, which don't do anybody any good. It's not real. It's not real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you say, oh, we're going to do this house in seven weeks, there's no way you can do that work in seven weeks. No. Trust me, I know that. No. And then, because I've done some of those shows. Yeah. So, and I know what it, how long it takes to do them. Right, the mentorship. Have you ever done the uh, UCLA extension class with, with uh, Rocky and Gary? No, I have not. I heard it's uh, like the Abbott and Costello of interior mm -hmm. design. I'm, I heard that too. <laughs> and because they're both very funny guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Fernando Diaz, so great catching up with you. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Be a pleasure. That was Fernando Diaz, and this is Dorothy Willett. It, it gets consistently looser as the, night go, as the night goes on. Oh, yeah, well, I'm always like this. <laughs> Dorothy, how's, uh, how's your modernism week shaping up? Oh my gosh, Josh, my, gosh, Josh, <laughs> my modernism week has been crazy. I'm exhausted. Um, I spent 12 hours there on Saturday. I started with um, a very small, intimate breakfast with the publisher of an unnamed magazine and a couple PR people. And then I went over and drank myself silly at the top of the Rowan. And then I went to a couple shows and then a party. So it was a really rough day on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, magazine people, are you, are you pitching a, a project? Are you talking about a panel at an event? Was it anything that you, that you can talk about? Yes, yes, no. Nice. Do you do, no. a, do, you do a lot of panels? You know, um, I'm doing more and more. I've done a couple panels now. Um, that's actually how I met another designer that was just here. Mm. Um, I've been at High Point. I've been to uh, the Las Vegas market, um, doing panels on art and artwork specifically in the home. Interesting. Yeah. Why, why that in particular, as far, as far as the panel conversations, why is that your thing? Um, it's become my thing simply because I have a degree in fine art. And I loved art history and I love art. And I think that, um, and I have a lot of friends that work in galleries and I think that art has become something that's kind of left to the end of the project. And it shouldn't be because you could actually design an entire room around a piece of art. 
so it's not necessarily my thing. It's just a thing I am passionate about within the context of the room. I tend not to be quite as excited about the sofa, unless, of course, it's, you know, like a Vladimir Kagan, in which case it's also a piece of art. Fair enough. What, what is your take on, on the art market today? No, and, and by the way, let me, let me back up a little bit, because that's a really big question. More like, as more people are getting into, art, art is a growing category mm-hmm. um, that is now part of design. Whereas before, before, art was considered something different, where it was like you had your design and then you've got the walls, so then you've got your art, but it generally wasn't, you didn't bring your designer in, you didn't bring your architect in to, to design a room around a piece. I think if you were at a certain level, you actually did bring your architect and or designer and or your art consultant into the project. Um, art with the advent of the internet has become more and more, um, bye. art has become more and more available to the masses. So, you know, you've got Viet, you've got First Dibs, you've got all of these platforms where you can buy art and not necessarily know even what you're buying. You might just buy it because it's pretty. Um, that being said, there's also other platforms that allow designers to work with clients to help them, you know, create a nice curated um, collection for a specific house. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. I, 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 I love art. I, I admire art from afar. I've never been a collector. And it's funny because in talking to a lot of designers, I think that there are a lot of designers as well who are somewhat intimidated yeah, by the art for world. Sure. And, and they don't necessarily want to incorporate. They feel very comfortable um, specifying product, mm-hmm. furnishings, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's in the comfort zone. But when it comes to an intangible, intangible in value, like art, it becomes scary. Yeah, for sure. And I am not an art expert. I'm not a curator. I don't work at a gallery. Um, and typically, you know, I've yet to have that client that wants to buy that million dollar piece. <laughs> um, if you're out there, please call me. Um, again, though, I just tell people to kind of buy what they love. Because if you're, if you're in that, you know, you can buy a piece of street art for 50 bucks. And if you frame it right, it looks amazing. And you can put it next to a $5,000 piece. There's no rules and there's nothing wrong with putting that type of thing together in a room together. Once you get into a different stratosphere in art, then yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm a little intimidated too. And that's when I call my friends and I go, hey, uh, what should I be doing? They want to buy a Lichtenstein. What do I do? Well, and I like that you brought that up because it's, it's a remarkable service. And it's one of those different, it's a differentiator, right? So I've been having a conversation that's been growing over the past couple of months, really, is in the design world, how online... Um, there are more resources for homeowners to get design services. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a designer per se. You're, you're getting a decorist, a decorator, um, someone to give you a design plan based on whatever. Um, but it's becoming easier to go around the designer. And when you have ancillary services like that, like you can't, you can't, you can't get around that. You know, I've always thought that designers, one of the coolest things about designers is, you know, part of what you do is you're a psychologist, you're a psychiatrist. Yeah. 
You are. You for sure are. You have to be. You know, it, it's going to take you. It's going to take you a good hour of meeting with your client before you realize, oh, he's actually the one that's making the decision, not her. When you forgot, we're also professional schleppers, and we are sometimes marriage counselors, and we are also babysitters because good designers are kind of keeping an eye on the job site too. So when the wallpaper installer doesn't show up, you're like, uh, I gotta call Joe and find out where the heck he is because he was supposed to be here at eight. So yeah, for sure, that's another, another part of our job is, is what you were just talking about. Yeah, so where is your, where's your primary area of, where's, your, where's the office? The office is in Palm Springs. No, the actually, office is where? I'm at the other end of the valley. I am down in the La Quinta Indio area. Okay. So I'm right next to the polo fields. I'm down by Coachella Fest, Stagecoach, um, you know, kind of the other end of the valley. So it has like a whole different vibe than the Palm Springs vibe. Interesting. Oh yeah, completely different. What, what, is, the, what is the vibe on the other side of the valley? It's a good question. It's changing. Um, one of my clients actually just built um, 20 mid-century modern houses down there. Really? Right next to a Spanish hacienda. Is the client an architect, a developer? Yes. Okay. I love this. You know what? It, NDAs are flying more and more around this. Yeah. He's, no, <laughs> I, you know what? I love him. He's my, one of my favorite clients. Yeah. And he has his hands in everything. He loves art and architecture and design, and he's really into those things. And, yeah, and he's changing the face of the valley at that end of the valley. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love that a lot because I think that um, Palm Springs, Coachella Valley, in 100 years from now, is going to be a case study of metropolitan slash urban design mm -hmm. and reinvention. Okay. Because, how, I mean, how many times has, has Palm Springs died? and come back to life a True. lot a yeah, lot yeah. I mean you know I used to come down here in high school for spring break and and it was a different place oh god yeah it was a vastly different place and yeah. and for a while you know late 90s early 2000s when you still had the mall sitting there vacant you know this big zombie mall sitting in the right. middle it was almost as big as the city itself yeah I forgot you, about that yeah. you, you know what I mean mm -hmm. and it's easy to forget about those things yeah but you know the fact is, is that the fact that the, the fact that the city survived, you know, three eras, the 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 Great Recession, right, had a huge impact. Oh yeah, we were all dead in the water for a while. Yeah. But what's interesting with what you're saying is, although it keeps coming back, it kind of keeps coming back around the same theme. Yes. You know, it's still that you know modernist architecture, whereas I think the rest of the valley is kind of trying to find their way and develop their own. Um, I don't know, style or their own kind of culture because the Palm Springs culture is already kind of defined. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. And I never really thought about it that way. Like the, the whole Coachella vibe and I'm asking about it. And as I'm asking about it, I'm thinking, it's like, you know what? It is. It's about live music. It's that, it's that, it's that rockin' bohemian is that's not an aesthetic, but it's an idea. But within that, it's, it's a, it's a, very highly collected, but the collection is broad. Yeah, and it's there's a feeling there. I think it evokes, 
And um, and I think also it's really changing. What was I just about to say? Um, it's really changing the feeling of, of La Quinta. But there's so much going on at that end of the valley that people don't even know about. And you know, we've got a client that um, lives in um, Beverly Hills, and they've built a huge compound out here. And they fly into Thermal Airport, and they hang out at this end of the valley. And, and people in Palm Springs don't know about that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. It really is. It, it is interesting to watch. How do you, as a designer, build your brand, or how have you built your brand around this? With Obviously, the, the goal is to sort of grow, grow into it as it grows together. How do you do that? Um, I'm not a designer that has one particular style. I personally have a, a particular style, and my home is reflective of that style. But with my clients, it's all about them and how to curate something that looks like they've lived there for five years, and we didn't just put this together. Uh, so typically, there's not one specific style. Typically, it's a mix of you know some antiques and some super cool modern art, and maybe some mid-century modern pieces mixed with you know um, some real clean-lined, you know, really comfy upholstered items. Yeah, not talking specifically about style, but but just your brand, your oh, design. So sorry. No, no, no. Your design brand as a whole, yeah. because you know you have you have choices, you have options, and and what I was going to say too is that really interesting for the most part and I've heard this from a number of different people I'm curious to hear what you have to say but the valley has the majority of the designers are coming from Los Angeles and Los Angeles proper who come in to work on second homes and that sort of thing they don't necessarily they they don't necessarily live here and hang a shingle here mm -hmm. and work here do you know what I mean yeah. so it gives you as someone who, who is here, the opportunity to sort of build your brand in your own community. Correct. How do you do that? Um, we've worked really hard, actually, at developing a really specific brand. I'm known for our professionalism and our creativity. Um, we work very, very closely with the builders and the architects, and we're all about building a team that's created around the client. And because I've worked like that for the last umpteen years, we get tons of referrals from the builders and from the architects and from the clients because they know that we're going to come through with our specifications and the design and all these other things. So I, I guess our our brand has been created through word of mouth, essentially. Last question for you. Do you have a dream project? Like if someone said to you, it can be famous, it can be whatever. If someone said to you, we're going to give you your dream project. Do you know what it would be? Sure. Specifically. Don't you know? <laughs> no, I'm not a designer. <laughs> your dream interview. <laughs> Josh, what's your dream interview? You know what's funny with that question? You have to be really careful with that because I've had, in a career in broadcast, I've had a lot of interviews with famous people who obviously when you, when you, when you think, who would you love to interview? It's like, oh, a politician, a musician, right, an right. actor. And then you get you get that person. You get like, what you asked for. <laughs> wow, that was really disappointing. <laughs> you know, because it never lives up to it. But that that's with people who can yeah. who can let you down. Yeah. I don't feel like design can ever let you down if you're the one establishing what it is, right? I don't know. I mean, the personalities are so important, 
you know, and you never know how people's personalities are going to mix together. Um, most certainly somebody who's open to creative and fun ideas. I always want to have fun. I always want to have a good time. Um, and I want people that are um, collaborative, um, yet willing to trust me and um, have great a great... I think it was Billy Baldwin said one time, you have to have, in order to have a good project, you have to have either a great art collection, a lot of money, or good architecture. If you have two out of three of those, you're golden. And I was like, you know what, that's really good, that's true. If you have one of those things, it, it makes the project. If you have two of them, you're all set. Yeah, that's true. Because, because money can make up for not great architecture, or not great art, or if you have art, then, and I think it was Billy Baldwin, so I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing just a smidge. That's okay. Yeah. That's Don't the, quote me. All right. All right. <laughs> um, listen, this was great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Dorothy Willett. Here is Dan Foley. Lucky you didn't mic me because I do this a lot. You know, it's... I know, I know. But see, that's, that's, the, that's the hard part, though, is yeah. you, you could do the love and then risk the padding. Or you could do, designers love to do this, and I'm not going to do it because, I, but like if I, had the mic in, if I had the mic in this hand, we'll be talking, and then you look over this way, and you're right. the mic in the other direction. I know how to use a mic. It's okay. I know, but... <laughs> The only thing, NBC called me their one hit one, my, my one take wonder, except for this. Okay, but again, with the I microphone, myself. again with the mic, you just did it. <laughs> you just did yes, it. So <laughs> tell me about this. Yeah. What, what did you do for NBC? Um, uh, the last thing I did for them was a show called American Dream Builders with Nate Berkus. Um, it was the first and only show on, uh, in primetime on network television. It was a lot of fun um, when it was done. I was going to say, don't say that if you don't mean it. Of epic proportion. I love that this is on video, too. Oh, okay. Oh, God. No, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll be good to <laughs> do, do yeah, you. Yeah, know, I'd like to work again, so <laughs> be careful where you use that. <laughs> do you know, it's, it's funny, though, because everyone I, I speak with, mm-hmm. everyone I speak with says that working on the reality shows the mm-hmm. is just a nightmare yeah and, and i will tell you i have my own experience with that mm. so i was the general manager and program director of playboy and Play, okay. playboy oh, radio cool. yeah and so um i was on two episodes of kendra on top don't believe me go to imdb you'll see me there and i can only imagine what a nightmare that was it was not pleasant <laughs> it was not it was not a pleasant experience because yeah you know this doing TV and especially look it wasn't a design thing but I'll I'll gear back to Mm, this yeah when you're a designer you've got to be creative you've got to be quick yeah you've got to be I still have to do my job yeah and that's more than just pretending to be something or someone that they're looking for Um, my when I I still get people stop me all the time over that show in particular and and they say, oh, how was it? How was it doing that? How is it? Um, especially at markets, you know, designers. Everybody wants to be on TV, right? Um, and I always say it's very simple. I have for the couple of years it's been since the show aired. Um, I have one word answer for everybody then and now. Brutal, brutal was the word. Um, do I regret doing it? No. Would I do it again? No. Really? Okay. Yeah. So if you got in the way way back machine and you mm-hmm. had it, it got you exposure. 
Yes, it, it, it in might. a huge way for me in particular because I did not go into it expecting NBC to make me a star. The other designers I was on with all just sat there waiting for the silver platter. And I knew what my job was for them and how to then use that appearance for myself. So I was prepared and I was working my butt off every day, even while I was there working. The other th issue was that the show, you know, reality shows get filmed in six weeks, eight weeks tops, four months. Four months it took to create this show. And that was part of the brutalness of the experience. It was awful. Um, but I did what I did. I also went in knowing I could win this show, but I don't have to. I knew I have a great agent and manager, and we literally sat down and mapped it out. Where do you want to be at this stage of the filming, this stage, this stage, this stage? And I got more out of that show probably than every other designer combined. See, that's so smart. No. That's so smart. You know what I don't understand? I don't understand why that mentality that thought process that that it's it was deliberate and mm -hmm. it was purposeful yes does i love i started this podcast i do this full time because i love being around designers and architects i'm not a designer nor an architect i just i love i love everything about it i love being around designers and architects mm. but it is very frustrating for me having done this podcast for a very long time and talking to a lot of designers and architects mm -hmm. too there the trade is so it's it's social media is not handled well for the most part no oh, i'm so glad you said that there yes. is there is there is very little in the in the way of of content development for oneself um i think mm -hmm. i think a lot of what designers are doing now is they're still waiting for the magazines to cover isn't that interesting yeah that they are and they're all holding out I get look I speak a lot to the trade about the business of design I'm asked to speak at the markets and whatnot um, just did it in Dallas and in Las Vegas uh, in January and those I get the same questions still how do you get published and how do you get on TV oh and how do you get licenses and you know what's interesting is I tell everybody forget about magazines today forget about it even the magazines that are left as wonderful as they are and I love magazines but many of them are down to six issues now instead of 12 their editorial now is backed up a year where it used to be only a few months um, they know what they're going to do and there's only and there's a certain group of designers for the most part who get featured forget about it don't go there don't waste your time build a social media that is for lack of a better word because it is so overused today which is authentic and there are very few people doing that. Everybody's talking about it. I think social media for me, I've been in business for 32 years running my own firm. I license, I have a huge number of licenses that you know we sell through the, through the markets and to the trade uh, and to retailers. I do it directly on television for the Evine Shopping Channel. Um, I, I write, I, I've written monthly articles for Palm Springs Life and another magazine for years. Um, I, I have a lot of content, let's put it that way. What I find most social media content is, is fake, uh, it's phony, um, it's a waste of time. It's more about, aren't I fabulous, as opposed to, look at the work I'm doing. So I always say, these people who are posting every day and multiple times a day, they're not, that's not what you're going after. The same rules apply today that applied five years ago, which is post twice a week. 
post twice a week and make it real, make it honest. Um, right now at market, I've finally gotten a past that point in licensing meetings where they don't they don't want to know what TV I'm doing today. You know, are you Ellen DeGeneres? No, I'm not Ellen DeGeneres. Um, but what they want to know is how many followers do you have, which you did. We're now at a point where they don't want to know the followers so much as they want to know how many of them are real. And we finally reached that point. So when I go to a market today to do an appearance, if I'm asked to do a panel, which I love, I love feeding off of other people and talking about our experiences. I have to be honest, at this point, I will not appear on a panel with a blogger. I won't because if the only thing you have to offer the conversation is how many followers you have, then we have nothing to talk about. We have nothing in common. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me what great jobs you're working on today. Show me your portfolio. I don't care how many followers you have because there's nothing more inauthentic than thinking that's what matters to a designer or to someone who has come hoping to get some sort of information or inspiration about how to go to the next level or how to build their business. And really, I've always been a firm believer as well that there's enough to go around. The universe only expands. It has never contracted. It never will. Your client is not my client and vice versa. There is nothing wrong. I can share everything I've done. I, I begin every speech that I make with the same phrase. I've been very lucky. I've been fortunate. I've made a lot of money in this industry. I've also lost a lot of money in this industry. And maybe some of those experiences can help you to avoid some of those pitfalls. But really, my job as a speaker to both the everyone at large, the consumer at large, the do-it-yourself people, as well as the business of design to other designers, is to maybe, at best, to inspire you to take that step, whether it's to do it yourself or to demand a better client or demand respect from someone you're working with already. And that's really what I do beyond the, my day-to-day -day design work that I do for my clients or for my licensing partners. It's about inspiring other people in the industry to do more, do it bigger. Giving back is really important. Absolutely. And, and it has to start, you know, it has to start with doing good work on the front end. It's true. I mean, I get to do these other things. I get to speak and I get asked to speak and do those things, um, you know, around our industry because of who I am as a designer. And I, but I've always been very aware of that. Everything that I do every day and every project I do helps to feed that persona, right? Um, it's how I started licensing. It's how I ended up on television. Um, it's how I continue being asked to do all of those things. Um, and I love doing it. Um, I've reached that point where as much as I love the one-on-one -on -one with my clients, I find more satisfaction um, in being able to talk to groups of people or larger groups or to a TV camera. Do you really see I'm I'm not doubting yeah. I'm not doubting you but I'm surprised by that because especially when dealing with creatives, right? Mm -hmm. The joy in the conversation comes oh, comes from that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, interaction and feedback as mm -hmm. as opposed to when you're speaking to a group, you know, and and having having moderated so many panels right. and so many conversations. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting too because if you're not getting that 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 feedback, that feedback, it's it's difficult. But that one-on-one -on -one that that a designer gets with a client, mm -hmm. 
is just, it's so special. Well, and the, the, now the flip side of that coin is that constantly having to stroke someone and convince them. And that's difficult too. Um, I love not changing a client's mind, but getting them to see a larger picture. So that's what I was going to say. That's the point. You seem like the type of designer that that relishes in the the, the challenge. I, I don't want to call it combat. Well, but, but it, 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 it I know is. what you're saying. For lack of a better term, yeah. I love using that too, is the challenge. So what I say is I'm going to give you, as a client, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for, but I'm going to give it to you in a version you never dreamed possible. And the way I do that is, is that we listen to you, we hear what you say, we get an idea of what you want and where you want to go. And then what we do is we look at that, that story you just gave me, which 99% of the time is a very narrow vision. And what our job is then is to help you take your blinders off and see just how big that vision really can be. And to show you how much bigger it can be. And most importantly, how personal it can be. In a world of completely homogenized retail that we live in, the ultimate luxury is no longer space. It's personality. It's intimacy. And creating intimacy in an interior. I get no joy from walking into an interior and say, oh, look at this. This is mid-century modern. This is French country. Oh, this looks just like a house I saw in Tuscany. If a house doesn't tell the story of who lives there, it has no meaning for me. And it really holds, there's no joy to be found. So I love to work with people who recognize or learn how to tell their story in the way they live. That's luxury. That's intimacy, not getting the sofa that everybody else has because have you seen, you know, the Restoration Hardware catalog? That's what I want. I always say to and I believe me, I get people handing that to me all the time. And I always say, let's, let's all agree that we think this is fantastic and it's beautiful. Now let's throw it out and let's figure out who you are based on that as inspiration, not as a rule book. And that's what we do for clients. And it brings me an immense amount of joy. And I get to be a lot more creative. Okay, now here's, here's the flip side of that coin. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a licensor, mm-hmm. when <laughs> now... I'm the licensee. They're the well, licensor. <laughs> yeah, yes. Sorry. As the licensee. Yes. Now you, you have to think, too, about broad. Oh, most definitely. And it's so much bigger than that one you, person. You change, you have to, you have to actually yes. flip the switch and go from thinking about one individual person and how to, how to custom tailor it to that one person. Now you're thinking about a, a broad... Mass market, right? There is a difference. But really, when I was given the opportunity to license product, one of the things I said was, I love a lot of people being able to get to me and get my products and live with the things that I design. But as I mentioned before, this idea of homogenized retail where everything is the same in every town and every mall and every store, what I wanted to do was bring product, basically what I give my, for lack of a better term, my million dollar clients, but I want to make it accessible to everyone. So I love to say that it's not that everybody wants the same product. In other words, the problem is it's all they're offered. It's amazing what happens when you offer them something else. I'm not looking to charge them more 
or necessarily re-educate them. What I'm simply saying is that there's so much more to the story. And so everybody loves a topiary. I'll give you a topiary, but I'm gonna give you a topiary in a price point and in a way and in a version that you haven't seen yet that you can be really proud of and isn't the same one that's in your neighbor's house and their neighbor's house and their cousin's house and their neighbor's house and is in Home Goods and in Williams Sonoma and everywhere in between. So what we're simply trying to do is say that it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's about offering them more than just one wheel and let them know that everything doesn't have to cost a million dollars. In fact, it shouldn't. And anybody who says that it does is lying to you. The truth is, if someone comes to me and says, your budget is unlimited, it doesn't matter. I just want to design. I don't want that client. I walk away. I've learned that the hard way. There is no such thing as no budget. Everybody has a budget. And by the way, nobody has the budget on the table for what they're asking you to do. I have worked for the king of Saudi Arabia and he did not put the money on the table that he needed for what he was requesting. So it all comes down to working it. We work the numbers, we work the style, we work with the clients, we get them again to remove their blinders, we get them to see a bigger picture, and that's really part of what I love doing. So when I get to do that on TV, talking to a camera, especially when I get to do live TV like I do for Evine. And you're getting immediate feedback. We know we're selling. Those numbers are flashing up on the screen, right? People can call in live and talk to me about what they like, what they don't, what they're doing, what they're doing with my product that maybe I haven't mentioned. So there's a, there's a great deal of that. But the truth is that kind of exposure also gives me the opportunity to say, walk out on the street and somebody stops me and says, I know you. And can I get a picture with you? And by the way, I bought your thing the other day and I'm so happy with it. That gives me a huge amount of pleasure. And it's still design because at the end of the day, my job is to, is to really help people live better and, and make them happier than they were before I got there. It's the same way, it's just on a bigger scale. It is, and, and speaking of this, the bigger scale, the business itself is, yeah. is changing. Absolutely. The business right now is, yes. is in a massive flux. Flux. And, and it, people are scared. Well, people in, are you talking about the people in the industry? I'm talking about both. I think both the consumer has changed so drastically, but the manufacturers, the showrooms, the designers, um, they're scared. They don't know what to do. Okay, so this is where I'm going. This is exactly where I'm going. Mm -hmm. in, in an age when you've got Wayfair and yes. Decorist and Cherish right. and Home Polish and, or not Home they've got, that's a different model going after designers. Mm -hmm. But when you've got this, this democratized view of interior design where you can yes. go get your design for $49.99. For free. And, yes. and you can, you, yes. can, you know, each product is... Come to is, our store. The designers are free. So here's the thing. Yes. Knowing how the business works and with designers, you know, at mm. first it was, it was, it, it was, you know, 40%, but now fee based and 40% because you right. can go into the design, you know, you can go into a design center with your client and they couldn't go in by themselves. They had to come in with you and then you could walk the design center, center yeah. showroom see floors, lots of see showrooms and walk in and touch things and feel things. Mm -hmm. 
the model has changed. So yes. you've got you've got online options, you've got offline options, you've got the ability yes. to, to get a design for forty nine dollars, if not free, if you buy the yes, you, you know, if you those, buy the sofa, will you get a picture of a do room? Do the picture for free? Yeah, yeah, send us the dimensions of your room, and then pick the things you want, and then it'll be sent. We to you. deliver it to you, and you can return them if you don't like. That's them. not design. It's not, and I, you know. I tell this to the designers when we talk about business as well as to my clients. Here's the thing. I run my business very differently than just about everyone who's left. Everyone's in scared and they're changing it and the fees and all of this. We do not. I charge a flat design fee up front based on the scale of the project and we charge retail. Believe it or not, true retail for all purchases and all purchases are made through me. So, and um, by the way, I can fire you if we can run into a problem with that one, but I never have. Um, what I want people to realize and what we talk a lot about before I even let them sign my, my agreement for services is that what I am bringing is a service and it's a very intimate and personal service. And you can pay for it in one of two ways. I can charge you by the hour for me and my staff and a percentage on everything you buy and there'll be a never ending stream of money coming my way, which you will never know exactly where it's going to end until we're absolutely done. Or I can be a lot more professional about it and show you upfront exactly what it's gonna cost right down through delivery. And at least, and by the way, nobody will be more honest than me about that because I've been doing it for so long and we can get it done. This is a hard sale today because everybody, oh, but I can get the design for free. And I said, well then go, you've come to the wrong place. Go, because by the way, what you get for free, we know what, what you get for free, which yeah. is nothing, low end. It's the, usually the worth the price you paid for it. I don't believe, uh, so, but the furniture store down the street said I can come in and the designers are free. The design, there's no such thing as free design. It's not design, it's furniture salesmen selling you what they have not what you need or want or desire. Yeah. So if you do not understand the service that I'm offering you, then we weren't meant to work together and that's okay. Business is still business. You're gonna get it the way you want. If you think you're simply gonna take what I present to you and then shop it on Wayfair, you have come to the wrong place because nothing I sell, except maybe Dan Foley Lifestyle Products, are, is available on Wayfair. If you can buy it on Wayfair yourself, what do you need me for? I'm going to bring you uniqueness and personality and intimacy to your design. So doing a home through your local furniture store or doing it online is not design. But that doesn't mean that that client was ever meant to be mine. Uh, we talk a lot about the millennials because they're doing it differently and they're the ones changing this. I don't agree. No offense to anybody, but millennials are just uneducated young people who don't know how to groom themselves eventually they will learn it's just taking longer you were raised on tv and fast food you're kind of a mess at some point instead of in your 20s it's going to happen in your 30s or maybe your 40s you're going to recognize the difference between quality and quantity fast and fine and those are the people that i work for so Oh, this is this has gone down a very interesting rabbit hole and and I'm and I'm really glad it did because I got to the point where at every design focused event mm -hmm. it was okay new luxury here's how we reach millennials right. there's always one or two panels there's always a panel on reaching and, a millennial and here's the thing <laughs> I I don't want to bash 
millennials. Oh no! No, no, and that's and that's not what this is. Yeah, this is this is about because what what like I'm Gen X, right? So by the way, mm-hmm. they said the same thing, thing about about, us. about Gen X, right? Yes, they said we were. You know, we're lazy and yeah. we don't work hard and we don't have the work ethic yeah. and we don't and we don't Our know. Our style was different too. Remember remember when we were coming of age in Gen X and it was all about luxury. It yeah. was the Reagan era and dynasty and all of that. People wanted that of, feeling that of look. course. These kids today want everything in reclaimed wood and all they want is a six hundred dollar pair of sneakers instead. They don't stay home, they don't own homes, they don't know what it's like to tell a story of who they are at home to have a pride in a home that they want to bring people into. It's all about what restaurant did you go to today? They will tire of that. They will come back around. It's simply a pendulum. I'm not going to chase a group that doesn't want me. Why should I? And, and by the same token, I am a fan of millennials. Not, mm-hmm. not for what the, because look, they're living their lives with, with the philosophy that they that that the gen the generation seems to be living by the philosophy of I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase very little, I'm just gonna purchase the things that I really right. really like, and then the rest is gonna be surrounded by things that will support that. Right. And and we'll we'll fill it in. It's infill, yes. right? Infill yes. design is mm. is kind of the so it's a watch or it's a it's a sho- it's shoes mm-hmm. or yes. you know it's a it's an article of clothing or if it yes. if it is designed then it's it's that it's that bureau or it's it's that piece whatever that piece is and they love it and that's they're going to surround the rest with they're going to infill it yes right? eventually they are going to come around and they're oh it's true and it's it's going to happen and when me- it does they'll they'll be good purveyors or purchasers of design will and it's just going to come later for them where we were all taught and our parents were taught and their parents it was all about doing that younger and starting a life and marriage or whatever and building a home a home one home right we don't live that way anymore for better or worse i think more better than worse but um the other thing is is that people look at furniture differently today um and so that has certainly changed we used to invest in pieces that you would keep forever but i design houses the same way today as i did 25 years ago which is every room should have that one piece that important fine piece that you can build off of and so that's true as true today as it was 25 or 30 years ago when I was starting or even earlier than that when I was watching my mother work with her decorator you know and doing the home I grew up in and my mother redid that house more than once so I saw those changes and how things happen and how design and style evolves um, and that's a good thing I don't design houses that are out of style in five years I can pull my portfolio and show you projects from 15 years ago and you won't know the difference between that and one today and it doesn't mean that those are traditional spaces i run the gambit we do from the the most modern contemporary spaces to the museum quality traditional but i i believe in permanence and i i believe that style is more than just what's trending today and that's what young people have always gone for the trend in every generation it's true they're just doing it a little bit longer <laughs> um, and it and it doesn't mean they're any better or, or any worse than any of us were it's just they're doing it differently it doesn't I'm not changing the way I work because they happen to be different they're gonna have to catch up with me quite frankly not the other way around and I say that not 
out of arrogance. I say that because I've been doing it for 35 years. I know what it takes to get a job done. I know how to design a home. I know how to bring personality into it. I know how to work with you. I know how to edit and curate and listen so that I understand who you are. Experience is everything. So, and sometimes you come to the table with it and sometimes you learn. And I'm still learning every day, just as they will continue to learn. Dan, yeah, I could talk to you <laughs> all day. This, well, thank this, you. this was awesome. So, wait, but wait a minute. Yeah. So, primarily, yes, you work in the valley. No, we work across North America. You on do a, any given day. Yes. Okay. You're based in the valley. But I am based in the valley. I am Palm Springs based. I'm in a mid-century modern historically certified building. So we have that kind of fun with it. You're all all 92264, right? Oh, we are 92262, baby. That's even older. (laughs) So (laughs) 92262, the original zip code. (laughs) I love that. But it's great. We do all styles on any given day. I'm not about selling a style. I'm about creating that story helping people to create their own story in their home so it doesn't we don't talk to our clients about style we talk to them about things that matter and things that inspire them that's how we create i love that and i love that you spent some time with us so thank you very much i loved being here me too great fun thanks dan i'll see you again all right that was dan foley and this is a wrap from our uh, Design in the Desert episode recorded in the Cambria Surfaces showroom in Palm Desert on El Paseo. This was so much fun. Special thanks to Dan Foley, Dorothy Willett, Fernando Diaz, Adele Siegel, Michael Rush, Nicole Peralt, and all of the great folks at Cambria Surfaces. Uh, thank you to my friends at Sub-Zero, Wolf and Cove, Snyder Diamond, Vondom, and Article. Thank you for your support. Uh, you make this podcast possible. And thank you, most of all, to you for listening, subscribing, rating the show on iTunes, providing your comments, and coming out to the events just to say hello. I absolutely love it, and I appreciate you. So thank you, and until next week, keep creating. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at vondom.com.